This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. KXNO Des Moines. From the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. The brackets are set for the 2019 NCAA Basketball Tournament. Fresh off a Big 12 Tournament Championship, Iowa State earns a sixth seed. They'll head to Tulsa to take on Ohio State. Head coach Steve Prohm says he likes the draw for the Cyclones. I love where we're at, being in Tulsa, being you know, within like a six-hour drive for our fans. Uh, whoever you play, whether it's Ohio State or you know, or Cincinnati or whoever you get in the first round, everybody's good, uh, especially this time of year. And so you got to beat a good team to advance. 8.50 tip-off on Friday night. Iowa's a number 10 seed. They'll take on seven-seeded Cincinnati in Columbus Friday morning in the South Bracket. Here's head coach Fran McCaffrey. A tremendous feeling uh, for the players to see them enjoy that experience. Watch your name come up. Know you're going somewhere. Know your season continues. But it's still an incredible amount of hard work. I'm really proud of the guys. And the tournament will get going Thursday morning right here from Des Moines with Louisville facing Minnesota. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Another hour, Scott Dockerman. Oh, 15 minutes or so from The Athletic. We'll talk Hawks with Doc. Rob Doster, 1135NBCSports.com, college basketball talk. Did you watch the uh, ESPN Bracket show? Uh, it, started, it started at 6 o'clock, right after CBS's coverage was over. Did you happen to switch over? I did. I switched over away from 60 minutes, but I didn't go to ESPN. I went to CBS Sports Oh, Network. did you? Hassel's, uh, Hassel's yes. Station? As you know, I'm a big fan of Gary Parish. Uh huh. Our buddy Matt Norlander, who was part of the, uh, he was on set. Uh, Steve Lapis is there. I always mm-hmm. get a kick out of him. He was all fired up about something. Is last it night. John Rothstein? Rothstein. Yep. Yeah, he, he was he's, there. He's part of the main group. Swin Cash, former UConn. Yeah, she's really good. Player. She's she she's very good. It's a really, I think, a good group, mm-hmm. and it gets away from some of the blovating that you get at times on ESPN. Well, here's my point on that, and I'm with you. And I watched that a little bit, but that was on. It was on. I mean, they had a marathon. They did. Yeah. Because I think I got to it after billions last night. I, w- I went back and, and watched more college basketball. But Dickie V, as much as I love Dickie V, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't love what he... Dickie V deserves to be whatever, do whatever he wants at ESPN. Yes. He has earned that right, in my opinion. He just has. Um, they, they almost feel like they're shoehorning him in, though. Because they've got Reese Davis, who's terrific host. Mm-hmm. Jay Williams, who's unbelievable. I think he's good. Likewise, Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg. And then they go to, in this case, the site of, which was Nashville, right? The SEC championship was in Nashville. So they satellite Dickie V into it, and it kind of felt forced a little bit. But the guys on set, Williams, Greenberg, and Billis, that's first rate, Trent. It's first it rate. Is, yeah. It's a good group. Yes. But because of, I've kind of seen that song and dance before. Mm-hmm. That's why... I, I decided to go in a different Try direction. something different. Yeah. And, I, and I like that group overall. So you can get information anywhere. You can get it out of Vegas. 
You said our our buddy uh, Jeff Holdorf, Jeff Holdorf yeah, is, yeah. is there right now getting the information, point spread-wise. So when the draw came out, I said right away. Yeah, I saw that. Cincinnati minus anything. Right. I didn't care what the spread was. You're, 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 you're laying the points. And it opened offshore at one and a half. Yeah, but not in Vegas, right? It was high. It was a tad higher. Three in Vegas mm-hmm. was the first line I saw there. Went to four, but then the pieback happened. Did it? Yeah, and it got back to two and a half late last night, I think, pretty much across the board, and I think it settled at three. Cincinnati's the favorite in that one. I still like Cincinnati, regardless of that, as it pertains to the point spread. We'll get into that more as the week goes on. But I was surprised at the Iowa State line how big it was. Because right after I said Cincinnati minus anything, I said Iowa State minus anything against Ohio State. I didn't think it'd be six, though. That's a big number. It is a big number. Iowa State's more talented than Ohio oh, State. They are. I've yeah. watched the, Ohio State a bunch, Trent. Mm-hmm. They're you a lot have two. Yeah. yeah. They're a lot better, too. Uh-huh. They are. Stop Caleb Wesson. But in terms of... Don't let Arns get going. He killed Iowa, and he can do that. I mean, there's a 5-12 matchup that the 12's favored. Do you know which one that is? Liberty? Nope. Uh... There's a five twelve. No, it's not New Mexico State. It it's isn't. Um, Marquette. Uh, nope. It's the last one. Well, I, I got to get to it, right? Upper Who, right. Upper right. Really? Oregon? The Ducks are over favored Wisconsin? over the Badgers. As we talk here right now, the Ducks are the favorite. The Pac-12 champ, tournament champion. <laughs> tournament champion, yes. They can play some D. I didn't like the way Wisconsin finished. No, I think they they, they look gassed. They they do. Oregon can throw a few different big guys. Mm-hmm. You got to have a couple of big guys to play against Wisconsin. Where did we see? Where did we see Iowa? Oregon was that in New York? Yeah, that's what I thought. It was way back in November. That was the first of the two games out. Right, there. right, right, right. That was the what, Thursday night and yeah. then Friday night, which was I was at the Unidome. Well, one of the games Wieskamp was held off the scoreboard, I think, or made one shot. I can't remember. Anyways, he did not have a good New York trip. Hawkeye fans, be happy that Lewis King was uh, not healthy at that time because right. that kid is a player. Yeah, that that's very true. I remember you saying that back in November. So you said that. Yeah, give me. You can't give me a one or a two. Sure. What do you think the the, the easiest region is? The easiest path to the Final Four is what region? Oh, well, it's Duke until. The championship, and even that. No, no, no. I mean, if you if you you don't want to, be, okay. So you you so you think that the East is the easiest path? I think it's a cakewalk for Duke. Okay, until that Elite Eight game, and even then, they're better. Michigan State. I mean, the the way this team is constituted, mm-hmm. find a team in there, and I know Virginia Tech beat them earlier this year, but they beat them at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, neutral floor, Washington D.C. Is Virginia Tech beating Duke? I just I can't envision that. There, there's State. a lot of people that think that Belmont is if they win on when do they play Tuesday or Wednesday mm-hmm. that they will that they're going to pick off Maryland. I can buy that. A lot of people think that. I, I've heard plenty of talk about Yale, LSU without their coach. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened as they mm-hmm. lost to a pretty average Florida team that we'll get to see here in Des Moines mm-hmm. here in a few days. Yeah, I can buy that a little bit. Okay, but overall, I this bracket this could be the goofy bracket. Which it, one? It wouldn't shock me at all. The East. Because Duke will be prevalent, but they might be there with the 12 or 13 in Liberty or St. Louis. Maybe there's a 14th in Yale that gets the Sweet 16. I think this one could be as crazy as anything. But we're talking about getting to the Final Four, outside, outside yep. of the one or two line. Yep. Am I crazy for liking Villanova? Mm, pedigree. They have that. Right, been there, done that. Where are they? Are they five? They're six. Six. 
You know my thoughts on Purdue. I, I've been very outspoken that I just don't think... Different team outside of Mackey. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had the benefit of the schedule break this year. They didn't have to play Michigan or Michigan State mm-hmm. twice this year. They mm-hmm. got single plays against You know what? I teams. really jump-started Purdue's season. They did. If you go back to that, they, they jump-started. They were. They lost to an... Turned out to be a uh-huh. bad Notre Dame team. It's like, oh, maybe they can sneak in the back door of the tournament. They'll be playing in Dayton instead. So Villanova for you, okay? I, I mean, if we're we're going, we're digging deep there. So you've got this. So yeah, I mean, you you'd have to obviously knock off the uh, Tennessee would come mm-hmm. out. Virginia would get beat. Here's mine. I I really like this Florida State team. They made the run last year, the lead eight. They did it out west last year too. Then they're they're I mean they've they've got a, a no surprise here a whole bunch of athletes. Speaking of that, look at this. A year ago, Gonzaga, Michigan, and this Florida State team were all in L.A. They were all shipped west. No. Three, those three teams again could be in the west this time instead of in L.A. They get to go up the road a little bit to Anaheim. That's nuts. Are they supposed to protect from that too? I thought that was one of the the principles of the bracket. Is your especially if you're a team for the East Coast, you're not supposed to be shipped three straight years west. Is that a rule? I think it is. You really do? Yeah, I, I believe I'll that's. Take, I'll take your word for it. I don't know. I believe that's one of the principles. Michigan and Michigan State. Why didn't they just flip flop? No, it makes all the sense in the world. Who did, the, so like, you like Florida State? I I do. If I I mean I'm forced to pick one. Right? There's no three that really floats my boat. Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. Yeah. What happened to them the other day? Uh, Houston. Eh. No. I think Iowa State will get them. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I'm just not sold on the threes, Trent. I'm just not. Purdue, we just talked about Purdue. Mm-hmm. Four seeds, Virginia Tech, they get the guys back. Robinson's going to play. I like Florida State, as I mentioned. Kansas, to me, doesn't look like it's not your typical Kansas team. K-State, I don't know if Dean Wade's going to play or isn't going to play. So... If you're one of the top 16 seeds and, and we're looking for 9 through 16, Florida State would be my school. Yeah, I think I can buy into that. They Leonard Hamilton's oh, had success. Yes. He's got an athletic team mm-hmm. that can really create matchup problems, the way they defend, the way they get out there. I like the fact that you've gone for a 6. I mean, is there a 5 no. that, that moves your needle? No, I, I knew you were going there, and there isn't. There isn't a 4 that really does. This is... No, there is no four for me. Are, are no we four. are we setting up for one very, versus two, one versus two, one versus very two, one versus chalky, two. and maybe a three in there? But uh, maybe who's Cinderella? And even oh, we're not good talking one. Loyola Cinderella good one, good because one, good one, good one. Who's the Cinderella? Loyola story happens. It's like every five years. You can't pick one out every year mm-hmm. because it doesn't happen every year. But who's that sweet sixteen at the very least team? Can Buffalo beat Texas Tech? There are six. That's not a, That's not Cinderella. Well, it's but you it's a small double, school. You got to be double digit seeds. Like Nevada last year was then, a seven. Liberty. I like Liberty. I like that pick. Seth Davis. He was on that one early. Early. Boy, he's tiny compared to Clark Kellogg, isn't <laughs> yes. he? My God. You know, Burry State and that matchup. And I know uh-huh. a lot of people. We're talking about it. Want to see Marquette, Murray State? Yep. Yes, yep. that that'll be really good. And yep. then you're just a game away if you're Murray State. They got a guy. Murray State has a guy that's going to be a top three NBA mm-hmm. draft pick. Mm-hmm. They do. It's not. Marquette's got a guy too. Yes, Marcus <laughs> Howard can score in bunches. Yeah. And Jay Morant, he is that matchup. He's a top three pick in the in the uh, yeah. lottery in June from Murray State. Mm-hmm. That's that, that that's fun. Who's your? Do you have your 
we got to get the doc here. But as of Monday morning at twelve minutes after eleven, uh huh. If you ha- here's a hundred dollars, you have to bet it right now. Cut down the nets, Duke. You're taking Duke, Duke. and. They're down to two to one. I saw in a lot of shops. Yeah, it should be down to two to one. It's the Duke Invitational. Yeah, it, it feels that way, and it's so weird. Who gave the toughest match? Who gave the toughest game all year? Toughest games all year. My national championship pick, North Carolina. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, you and they're are eight to one. Eight to one. That's not, a good not price. Not that I looked. <laughs> I got still got those futures tickets in Virginia and Gonzaga. I have a feeling I'm going to be. Yeah, Doing look, a little hedging late. As we Let's said, make a run and then we can hedge. Yeah, as we said, I love the Virginia potential story. We'll never see it in our lifetime. The year before, you get knocked out by a 16. You dust yourself off. You come back. You earn a one seed and you cut down the nets. The fall. We'll never see it in our lifetime. We've only seen one, one seed go down to a 16 in our lifetime. Be a great story, Trent. It would. it would be a great story. Not going to happen. We'll take a timeout. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is next. Do we have our Miller and Condon Heartland flag winner yet? Uh, let's see here. Let's see if we got the Buckeye fan that has checked in at this point as we're uh, looking to give away our random fe- flag fan of the day. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Hey, and how about this? If you know a Buckeye fan, let them know how they can win a flag. Just tweet us a picture them showing their fandom from Heartland flagpoles and flags, and we'll get that winner. Sometime today, I feel good. We're going to get that winner. There's a Buckeye fan. I know a Buckeye fan in this market. Well, don't tip them off. I won't. I won't. But I know those people are out there. We'll uh, come back with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 1460 KXNL. I'm Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. You know, one thing, Trent, we probably should have looked. Uh, Drake, we thought they might get a post. We didn't think they'd get NIT, but one right. of the C's, the College Basketball Invitational. I've got the bracket in front of me. The CIT? The, what? no, the CBI. The CBI. And West Virginia is in it, believe it or not. A With a losing record. Team, a Big 12 team is participating. Also, DePaul from the Big East is in there. I saw that last night when the bracket was released. Normally, Didn't power get conference quite as much teams, buzz, Trent. No, but normally power conference teams in general don't go That's to these C tournaments. Right, right. And so getting a Big East team and, even with a losing record, a Big 12 team, I'm sure feather in the camp for the CBI. Uh, we have our winner. We do! I'm looking at it right now. Andrew Fallsgraf, I want to say, is his name. He okay. is a Buckeye. He's got his flag right behind him. I see him. Uh, so the contest is over. So is it, do, we know, do we know anything about Drake? Uh, yes. Drake will be in the CIT, the CollegeInsider.com tournament. They'll be facing Southern Utah, 16-16, and 16, the Thunderbirds. And I believe, though it's not officially listed here, I think it's a road tilt for the Doggies. Gotcha. And we don't know what day that is. 
Uh, Friday. They'll be playing Friday night. Uh, they'll get lo- they'll get lost in the... Uh, yes. See, that's too bad. Uh, let's get Scott Dockerman in here. Doc, uh, I believe, is going to be downtown Des Moines for the Athletic covering uh, the Thursday-Saturday tilts. Uh, he's got a piece at the Athletic on Amir Smith-Marset. He's still doing football over there. As you got to feed the beast, and that's Hawkeye football. And Scott Dockerman joins us. Doc Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, great guys! How, how's it going today? Doing pretty well. We'll get to the uh, Des Moines and uh, your weekend uh, in in a few moments. Your your upcoming weekend in in a, in a bit. But uh, you know, let's go back to Chicago. And it ended on Friday night for Iowa. They got uh, really overwhelmed by Michigan. Michigan just poured it on uh, late in the first half, and and really uh, continued that in the second half. Uh, Bohannon doesn't score. Wieskamp gets uh, what he was held to three points. Nick Bear, Nicholas Bear didn't find the uh, uh, the score sheet um michigan was just a better team doc they certainly were that night and, and overall they are i mean there's no doubt about it i mean you know iowa caught them at a good time when they came to iowa city uh and uh you know blew them out of the water that day and that happens from time to time on the road with good teams in the big 10 and uh but yeah the other day you just saw what what michigan's capable of and then you know conversely you know iowa did not shoot well from three i mean it really fell behind and it kept falling behind even worse so it was uh you know it was pretty predictable once they started missing a bunch of threes and michigan went on a run it was so uh you know as you know at least you know iowa did get a win you know against illinois that was important i think for their psyche but they ran into a better team they got beat they got probably got bounced in but, you know, but still kind of a drought for Iowa. Has, hasn't been even to the semifinals since 2006. And, and so that's, uh, that's getting to be pretty long. That is. It's a long time. They broke the quarterfinal curse. And now the next one on the docket is the semifinal curse. How about the NCAA tournament? What do you think of the draw? Iowa first falling to a 10 seed where most bracketologists still had them in the 8-9 game going into uh, the selection show at 5 o'clock. I think you could flip a coin from anybody from the eight to ten range, maybe even seven to ten range in some cases. And uh, you know, and Iowa just kind of slipped a little bit, but you know, Iowa lost what five out of that was last six. So um, you know, you can't blame the committee for uh, you know not giving them the benefit of the doubt. They probably didn't deserve it at that point. Uh, but you know, the draw that they got with Cincinnati, I mean, it's a tough draw, no doubt about it, and in the bracket that it's in. Uh, you know, happened to go to Columbus to play a team from Cincinnati. And, you know, but the weird thing is Cincinnati played in Columbus for the first time in um, almost 100 years earlier this year. No, but the first game so, of the year. Yeah, yeah, against Ohio State. Yep. Other, I think the last trip there was, I want to say, 1924. Jeez, that's so crazy. Just really never played in that, in that city, even though it's only 90 minutes away. So, um, you know, the draw is, you know, at first you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to get smoked. But then the more you look at it, you kind of even out the numbers and you mm-hmm. start really examining this. Uh, this is a pretty even match. I'm with you. I mean, you know, you know, just, I mean, Cincinnati, you know, blew out uh, Houston yesterday. They look good doing it. They've got the, the player of the year in the conference. But, you know, statistically, Iowa can hang. So mm-hmm. if Iowa plays well, shoots the ball for three they got a shot in this one. I'm with you. Cumberland is the best player on their team by a long shot, as you mentioned, player of the year. He's really good. Uh, but but Iowa's roster, I think, stacks up with them, Doc. I, I'm with you. Now, did I see, did somebody tweet this out last night, that these two schools will see each other in the non-con portion of the schedule next year? Yeah, they're playing in the United Center in uh, December. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny. The last yeah. time they played 
was in the 2005 yeah. first round, 10-7 matchup, and here they are playing again. Um, you know, and then they're going to have to play play in December. So it's uh, yeah, so it's kind of funny that way. Famously, uh, the TV broadcast had Nick Lachey in the front row with a tank top on, uh, cheering on his basketball team. So he's a USC football fan, a Cincinnati basketball fan. Nick Lachey now, 13 years later, A, does he have enough swag and enough pull to... Was he married to Jessica Simpson? He was. That's what I thought. Now, somebody asked on Twitter, could you name the band no, he was I in? No, I could not. Uh, that, that I'm was my it was a boy too. band. But it was a boy 98 band. 98 degrees. 98 degrees. Look at that. Now, now Scott Docterman, he likes the hard rock as we played some rack coming in out of the break. Pulling 98 degrees. Good work out of you there, Doc. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely the uh, thumb on the boy band. No, I don't really. I just knew that for I don't know why I knew that. <laughs> Scott Dockerman <laughs> uh, from The Athletic uh, is our music expert on the program. We appreciate that. Doc, did Michigan State – well, let me uh, – kind of a broader question because it seems to me that the, that the committee – Look, we love the games on Sunday. We love the tournament championships. I don't think yesterday's results mattered one little bit. I don't think Saturday's mattered. They might not have, but I'm convinced Sunday's didn't. Michigan State, I mean, here, when they they cut down the nets in Chicago, they get Duke for a reward. Uh, Cincinnati picks off Houston. They really didn't budge. Auburn wins the SEC tournament, picks off Tennessee. Auburn didn't move up at all. I... I'm convinced more than ever, Doc, and maybe Trent's right too, uh, that the results of these conference tournaments, although I think it didn't Iowa State's case. I think they moved from the seven to the six. But for sure on Sunday, Doc, I'm convinced they do not matter that those brackets are done. You know, in some ways, that's probably the way it should be because, I mean, it's really based on your full resume. And should one game have that much bearing on your entire season? So, um, you know, you shouldn't really plummet, you know, a couple of rows and you shouldn't really rise. Um, but, you know, there are some really kind of strange things I found. Um, you know, the, the really the, the Michigan-Michigan State result, the only problem I really have with that, I think they're both twos and that makes sense, is, uh, you know, who's got who's in the uh, west region and who's in the east. And, I, I mean, I think Michigan State, by virtue of sweeping Michigan mm-hmm. and uh, playing in the uh, – and winning – you know, sharing conference. The conference title yep. and winning the tournament should be in with Gonzaga because I, I agree. think both of them are better than Gonzaga. But but you know Duke is the number one overall, which really means that Michigan State's the number eight. I don't get that part, you know. And I think you know, well, but then again, I look at the Big Ten and say, well, if you would have moved your tournament to maybe Saturday, that that last second shift might not have happened or whatever. You know, maybe they would have examined it a little bit more closely, but. You know, a couple other teams that I really didn't get. You know, I thought Iowa State at a six was was below where it should be after winning the tournament. You know, and Kansas State and Kansas both were four. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like that. I thought you know maybe you know KU didn't deserve it. You know, just on name recognition. And then finally, and this one really kind of irks me, and that is um, when you look at uh, uh, you know the the six the play in games. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, the first round games. <laughs> <laughs> Careful over there, Doc. He's listening for that. He's listening. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get smacked around here. But when you look at Fairleigh Dickinson playing Prairie View A&M, you know, and everybody's saying, oh, big deal. Well, they're playing in Dayton, and then they're going to have to, the winner's going to have to fly to Salt Lake. Whereas, you know, North Carolina is a 16 in, in Columbus. Why can't they go, you know, the winner just mm. go there and Iona go to Salt Lake? I, I just, I mean, just kind of the common sense part. But really, I don't have a lot to complain about. I I know some Iowa fans are complaining about the speed. 
I think the seed's fine. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, it's unfortunate that they're playing Cincinnati in the state of Ohio. But outside of that, they got what they deserved, and uh, I think people should be happy that they got in at all. Yeah, they're in. They uh, break the two years away from the NCAA tournament, and they'll get Cincinnati. It's a team when you look kind of forward, and there's still, well, some season left. We'll see how much season, if it's just 40 minutes of basketball or more. But a look to the future. You'll get Pemsel and Nungi off their redshirt years back with the team. You welcome in a defending point guard that people have wanted and Joe DeSant coming in along with Patrick McCaffrey, who is much higher rated than Connor was coming out of high school. We don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Cook at this point. We don't know what's going to happen with an Isaiah Moss. But in general, does this have the feeling at, at the least a preseason top 25 team? I think so. I mean, it was spent twenty. It spent sixteen weeks in the top twenty-five. Um, you know, won twenty-two games. It's going to return. Um, you know, I mean, depending on what Tyler Cook does, but it's going to return all but one player, possibly two. Um, you know, maybe maybe somebody transfers. I don't know, but you know, really, I mean, you're going to have the guts of the team, and it's going to be a veteran group. I mean, you only have one senior now. I think it's a top twenty-five team next year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean that people can't be agitated by the way the season unfolded or, or what have you. I, I do think you look at it from the big picture perspective, it's a heck of a turnaround. You go from four wins in the league to ten, you go from fourteen wins to at least twenty two. You know, that's the kind of bounce back here you're wanting and expecting if you're an Iowa fan. Now, you know, you could be aggravated with the, the stretch run, but I think this is a top twenty five team next year and if it does something in the next uh, two games, uh, you know, maybe say they pull a couple of major upsets. You know, I think that that will end up in the in the top twenty five to end the season. Have you got a Big Ten team that will make it as far as the Elite Eight? Yeah, I think uh, I think both Michigan and Michigan State will. I think they're both pretty good, and you know, Michigan State's just got that unfortunate situation with Duke. I mean, mm-hmm. Duke owns Michigan State has for a long, long time, and um, you know, so I, I think Michigan's probably a Final Four team to me. Um, you know, I think Wisconsin's got a really good chance. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know they're they're with uh, they play with K State and San Jose, and then after that, Virginia and Virginia and Wisconsin are kind of the similar styles, and so I think they've got a chance. I think uh, Purdue does as well. Uh, you know, because you know, say Tennessee or Cincinnati gets out, they'll play Purdue and in Louisville. That's that's pretty close to Purdue's campus, so I think they've I think they've got a shot as well. And you know, and the rest of them. You know, it just depends on whether they can get one game or, or so. I mean, Minnesota playing in Des Moines against, you know, uh, Ri- you know Richard Patino's father's legacy team there in Louisville. That's that's going to be interesting. And so Iowa, I think it's a fifty-fifty game. To you know, on on Friday, I wouldn't give them a whole lot of uh, chances to win on Sunday. But you never know; things can happen. Doc, I'm sure you're going to be chasing uh, Big Rick and Little Rick. Is that the story? If you are placed here in Des Moines, you're going to be looking for first. I think so. I mean, uh, I'm still trying to, you know, still kind of waiting to see what what exactly I'm going to be doing there. But I would say that's got to be a really big, strong uh, storyline. It's going to be fascinating to see, you know, what Rick Pitino does. You know, does he sit with his son's team? Does he sit? In oh, the for sure. Yeah. You know, what does he wear? Uh, the Bradley team after you know just a right. horrific public mm. relations mishap. You know, they're going to be in there. Playing Michigan State or, or laying down for Michigan State, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you got you know Montana. I think it's really fascinating, and uh, you know, so I. But yeah, I mean, I think the Patino connection is probably the top storyline. You know, on this weekend. Thank you, Doc. 
Absolutely. Hey, so just real quick, Doc, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, I know he posted a, a piece today, football-wise. He's a real weapon, got a real chance to, to uh, finish out. Uh, he's got some time left, obviously, but I love him in that kick-return spot. Uh, good piece today. Thanks, Ditto. 29 and a half yards per kick return and didn't even return one for a score. Really? So it just ch- tells you what kind of a player he is. And, you know, I think he's going to be a weapon in two different facets of the game. And, uh, you know, he just wants to bring one back. And I think this is the year he does it. Good stuff. Scott Jockerman from The Athletic. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you, Scott Jockerman. Uh, time out. We'll come back. Uh, we're getting the Ohio State to. Boy, I. Yeesh. Got a picture of a young kid on here. Oh, that tugs at my heartstring. Yeah, Joseph Segrist, but you were second in. Sorry, Joe. Fallsgraf gets the prize. First in. Yeah, yeah. It's the rules. Those kids, though. They, yeah, yeah. It's, far, it's hard to feel too bad for well, Buckeye fans. Okay. I'll take a timeout. Rob Doster, College Football Talk, NBCSports.com is next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon. I don't get the music, Trent. It's 98 degrees. Oh, it's 98 degrees. Nick Lachey. Told you I didn't get the music. Our next guest is a big fan, I've heard. Is he? Yes. Uh, Rob Doster joins the program. Of course, College Basketball Talk, NBC Sports. Rob, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. And I love the 98 degrees. Uh, personally, I've always been more of a, a Nick Lachey after he went solo kind of oh, Okay, yeah. But, yep. but you can't really go wrong with any of them. Well, Lachey, uh, he, last time Iowa played Cincinnati in the first round of the NCAA tournament 13 years ago, he was front and center. <laughs> At the time, I believe he was still married to Jessica Simpson. I don't know if he has that same kind of pull or the money to get those for those uh, tickets in the front row. How's Lachey doing these days? Any idea? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he absolutely has the money uh, because uh, a couple years ago he invested in like some legalized weed operation in Ohio. And oh my! Like a oh, billionaire at this point. So uh, I'm pretty sure he might have the money to actually buy the entire arena and every single seat in it. So uh, if he really wanted to, mm-hmm. which of the conference tournaments uh, moved your needle, Rob Doster? I mean, we go back. I mean, stick with the Power Five, Power Six, whatever. But which which one to you was the biggest surprise? Which one was? I don't know. You can quantify one as being better than the other. But uh, which one meant more to you from a viewing perspective? Um, conference that feels. I can't believe it. That, that was only like two days ago. It feels like it was a month ago that the conference tournaments happened. Um, the one that was probably the most exciting was uh, the Big Ten. I just felt like um, that Michigan State Michigan game was really really good. And uh, you know, the, I think the biggest problem, at least that I faced with a lot of these these tournaments, is that we just got like the the best games came in the semifinals. You know, we got Duke North Carolina in the semifinals. We got Kentucky, Tennessee in the semifinals, and uh, it, there's those games were unbelievable. Like, don't get me wrong. Anytime that we can get two top five teams on the court at the same time, like we should do it, and we should be happy about it. We should be thankful that we're watching something as good as what we're watching. But it was a little bit frustrating that those games came in a situation that mattered just a little bit less than uh, than, than I would have liked. It did feel like Sunday didn't matter, and I think you can make an argument. Maybe even Saturday didn't matter as, as it pertains to selection, seeding, all those different things that go into the process. Is that a good thing? Or our last guest said maybe that's a, a good thing because you're actually looking at the whole resume, just not what happens over a weekend. 
Yeah, you know, I think it should have some impact. And, and honestly, I think that it, it, it did. You know, maybe Auburn was like a seed too low. And maybe Iowa State, you could have argued that they could have gotten up to like a five seed. Um, but, I mean, frankly, if you look at Iowa State won the Big 12 tournament, but did they really beat anyone that would change the way that you viewed them as a program, right? Like, they beat Kansas. Okay, well, we saw them beat Kansas by 17 earlier this season. That's not really doing anything. Kansas is not the Kansas that we're used to. It was, they beat, was it Kansas State? K-State, yep. Yeah, so they beat Kansas State without Dean Wade, the same team that they won by, that they beat by 14 points in Manhattan earlier this year. So it's not like that is a game-changing win. They picked up two wins against four in the conference tournament, whereas you look at, like Duke, for example, beat a number one seed and beat, um, beat, beat Florida in the in the final. So I I, I kind of I, I go back and forth on just how much the conference tournament should actually mean, uh, but I do think that they did get taken into account a little bit. The only team that really probably has a gripe is Michigan State, right? Because yeah. they ended up getting stuck in Duke's uh, Duke's bracket. But like, okay, yeah, when you get to the Elite Eight, you're going to have to play the best team in the country, but you also have a cakewalk to the Elite Eight. You get either Louisville, who you've played, or Minnesota, who's in your conference in the second round. Both of those games are very, very winnable. And then you can get, like, what, LSU without their head coach? Mm-hmm. Or Maryland, who you beat by 14 in College Park? Or someone like a Belmont or a Temple or a mm-hmm. Yale? And if you get them in the Sweet 16 as a season, you're thankful. So, like, I get it. Michigan State, like, it's kind of tough. But you have to project out three games that you have to win and you have to have Duke win those three games as well before you get to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, we got screwed. Well, you know what? You get to the Elite Eight, you're going to be playing a good team somewhere. Which of the one of the ones or the twos? We'll expand it to include the twos. Who's the most vulnerable one or two seed? The most vulnerable? I, so I think that I, I, there's two ways to answer this question. I think that North Carolina probably got the toughest draw. You know, they're, they're in a bracket that has a – Kansas team, like they'll basically be playing a road game in the Sweet 16 if Kansas makes the Sweet 16, right? Because they're playing Kansas in Kansas City as the number one seed. That is a tough draw. In the Elite Eight, they will get either, what would it be, like Kentucky in the Elite Eight, who is uh, half the distance from Kansas City that Chapel Hill is. You could get Houston in the Elite Eight, who, I mean, they're actually a Midwest team instead of being a team out of North Carolina. So that could be a little bit of a tough draw. And, you know, Iowa State. I, I think that, uh, that that those Cyclone fans would have no problem they could drive back down to uh, Kansas City again. Do they call it Hilton South? They call yes, it Hilton they South. do. That, South, that right? they do. They do. So, Rob, you saw so, a lot of it. You famously were all on the Cyclone bandwagon earlier this year. Then you jumped off. Then you went back yeah. on. Then you jumped off. Are you ready to jump aboard the Cyclone train one final time? No, I'm <laughs> not on the bandwagon for Iowa State this year. Or, or this tournament, I just I cannot allow myself to get on the bandwagon. I refuse to do it because every time I get on the Iowa State bandwagon, they end up losing. Now, to be clear, I have them in the Elite Eight, but mm. I'm not on the Iowa State bandwagon this year. I cannot I cannot do it. I cannot get back on this bandwagon. Um, I can't have any faith in them, but, yes, I do have them in the Elite Eight. Who do you have um, playing for the national championship? Could we see the rematch that I – and I think I probably speak for – College basketball fans, we want to see North Carolina and Duke yet again. Do you have that as a championship matchup on uh, Championship Monday? I mean, I would love to see North Carolina-Duke again. I would love to see Duke-Virginia again. 
I would love to see Tennessee play Kentucky again in the Final Four. I would love to see Duke play Gonzaga again in the Final Four. Here's what I want. I want Duke to make it to Minneapolis. I want Elite Eight matchups between Virginia and Tennessee mm-hmm. and between um, Kentucky and North Carolina. Yep. And then whatever ends up happening from there, I'm 100% on board with. Because that means that we are going to get one, two, three, at least four unbelievable games in the last, what is the last three rounds of the tournament. So that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Virginia to get to the Elite Eight, Tennessee to get to the Elite Eight, North Carolina to get to the Elite Eight, Kentucky to get to the Elite Eight, and Duke to get to the Final Four. And if if those things happen, if we get to that point, then this tournament is going to be unbelievable with some of the best matchups that you could possibly ask for late in the event. And, I mean, that's what we want, right? We love the early-round Cinderella's. We love the big dogs making it through the run uh, late. As, as much fun as it was to, like, follow around Sister Jean last year, <laughs> I, I don't need another 11 season in the Final Four. I can do without that. All right. So, well, speaking of those Cinderella's, you know there's going to be one in there. And we always talk about matchups. Well, depending on matchup, who is the team that got the rough matchup, the 4-5 or five seed that you look at and say, they would have taken any one of the 12 or 13 seeds. Instead, they got stuck with this one. Where's your uh, upset pick? So, I don't I don't know if I love all of the 12 seeds this year. Um, you know, I'm going to be the guy that does not pick John Morant to win a game against Marquette. Okay. I, just, I, I think that is a very, very um, difficult matchup for Murray State. Like, they, they just didn't get any favors done for them in that matchup. Uh, I don't think that Liberty is going to be able to pick off Mississippi State. Like, Liberty is the weird one to me. Like, I get that they had the net ranking that was high, but I don't think that they are good as some of the other, like, 13. Like, St. Louis, I think, is better than Liberty. And Yale, I think, is much better than Liberty. Uh, I probably would have had, like, UC Irvine um, up as a uh, 12 seed over Liberty. So that one's I, – I, I don't think I'm going to take Mississippi State. And, you know, New Mexico State, I want to take them. But I just think that this Auburn team is rolling. Yeah, they I don't are. want to bet against Bruce Pearl in the first round of the tournament. Um, so I probably won't take that. The interesting one is Oregon. And, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, Oregon's going to end up being favored in that matchup by the mm-hmm. time the game actually tips off. It's already, it, was, it opened at uh, Wisconsin minus four, it's down to Wisconsin minus one. So um, I don't even know if we can call that necessarily an upset. We have the, the Pac 12 tournament champion, right? So. That's probably the 12 that's going to end up winning. The 13 and 14 seeds are the interesting ones to me. Um, I don't think Vermont can get it done against Florida. So that's just a, a horrible matchup for them. But Northeastern? Northeastern is built the way that you need to be built as a mid-major to win uh, tournament games. They are they have a veteran group. They have old guards. They make threes. They don't turn the ball over. They control tempo. They execute. They have an unbelievable coach in Bill Cohen. And they get on the defensive glass. They don't. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to make you beat them. And I don't know if this Kansas team is good enough to beat them. I think UC Irvine against Kansas State is interesting, just because I think it's trending in the wrong direction for Dean Wade to play in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We'll see what actually happens, but I think that one is uh, one to watch. And look, I'm going all in on Yale. I'm just I'm mm. pushing it. I'm pushing it all in. You know that scene in Rounders where. <laughs> Uh, where not Damon throws it down and he says, I don't think he got him, and then he pushes all in. That's what I'm doing right now on Yale. Mm. they got an NBA player in Mieoni. they got another high major player in Jordan Bruno, who is the perfect kind of uh, versatile skill for that you want. He is 6'9 and athletic. He probably should be at an SEC school, not at Yale. they got a point guard named Alex Copeland who can really, really play. 
four of their, their their top four scores are juniors or seniors. And if you go back and you look at the history of the Ivy League in like the last eight tournaments, they've won five games and they sent one team to the Sweet 16. And two of the other games, they were they were winnable down the stretch. And none of those came as anything higher than a 12 seed. The Ivy League is always underseeded, and they always perform in the tournament. This LSU team does not have their head coach. And, uh, yeah, that's the upset for me. That's mm. what I'm taking. Yale. Talk me out of this one if you if you want to, man, and hopefully you don't want to, because I've, I've got Florida State knocking off Gonzaga. Um, I, I like that the athletes, they're obviously Florida State's very well coached, playing a tough conference, battle-tested. I'm not sure Gonzaga is. Why do I like Florida State, and should I should I uh, maybe move off of that? If if you were me trying to win this bracket that we're in, I I like the Seminoles. Want to know why you like them? Because you've probably been reading NBCSports.com or listening to the podcast that I produced and heard. Well, me that's it. Florida State is that what it is? That's got to be. I know I read you. One hundred percent. One hundred percent with you on there. I have Florida State in the Elite Eight. Uh, the, the thing for me is, you know, Josh Perkins. I don't trust him to handle pressure all that well. I don't trust him against teams that are going to be bigger and more athletic than he is. And they are. You know what Florida State is? They're going to pressure him, and they're, go- they're bigger and more athletic than he is. And you remember what happened last year in the Sweet 16 out in the West region? Florida State knocked off Gonzaga. It was after they, they beat Xavier as a number 9 seed. They mm-hmm. beat Xavier, got to the Sweet 16, and then they knocked off Gonzaga, who was the 4 seed. I think it happens again. History repeats itself. I, I mentioned that to Ken earlier. Three teams that mm-hmm. have a great chance of being there might be out west again. You throw those two teams and Michigan also in the mix. Michigan, Michigan State. What's the ceiling for both those teams? What's the ceiling for the Big Ten? The Elite ceiling eight. for the Big Ten is not that high. Mm-hmm. I just think they... It's not that they don't have the good teams. I just think that they kind of got in the the wrong matchups. Like, I don't think that Michigan State can get past Duke. I just do not see them being able to win that basketball game. I, I I don't know. I have Duke winning the title, and I think that Duke this year is about the same to me as Villanova was last year. So that was the easiest thing I could, I could do, which is literally take Duke, drag them all the way into the national title game. Um, and then Michigan, I like this Michigan group. The concern that I have is I think that they aren't good enough offensively to be able to beat good defensive teams. And the reason I say that is, so last year the thing that made them so dangerous is they could put Mo Wagner out there with Duncan Robinson and Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman, and they had three 40-plus percent shooting people on the floor. They could put Charles Matthews at the floor and let him go be power forwards off the dribble because you had all that space that was created by those shooters. This year, John Teske ain't a shooter like that, right? Iggy Brasdikas is, but Iggy Brasdikas is being guarded by fours which means Charles Matthews being guarded by threes. And there isn't as much spacing on the floor, which means that he, one, has a better matchup, and two, has more help when he wants to drive. So you take away Charles Matthews. Xavier Simpson is not really a threat. John Teske is not really a threat. Jordan Poole, what he brings you offensively, he, he gives up defensively. So I just don't trust him to be able to score. And the way that I see it is they end up getting Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. So I'm taking Texas Tech, and you guys know this. I'm, I am a Chris Beard State. 
So I'm going to take Chris Beard as far as I reasonably can, which is the Final Four. You know, there is a story that you and all the other college basketball journalists have an opportunity to write, and I think you'd only have this opportunity to write it once in your lifetime. Because we've only ever seen a one seed get knocked off by a 16 once and then come back as a one seed and an opportunity to get knocked out in the first round and come back and cut down the nets in the next, the very next year. And that would be Virginia. What are the chances you're writing that story? <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with the whole number one seed lost to a number 16 seed. You had to be thrown off there. Um, I, I think that Virginia gets to the Final Four. I think they are that good. I am I'm on board with the idea that having DeAndre Hunter back changes everything for him. And I think that this year, like the team that they can roll out there, where they can put DeAndre Hunter and Braxton Key at the three and the four, and all of a sudden, like they, they can match up with anyone bigger than them, and they can match up with anyone that goes smaller than them, and they have three pros on the floor, and all of those guys can shoot. Uh, I, I just I'm, I'm fully on board with this, this Virginia team being the best team that Tony Bennett's ever had, and making the deepest run they've ever made in the tournament. Now the problem is, I don't know how much I trust them to be able to handle like if someone makes a run late, right? If they're up by six and someone goes on a 9-0 run, does that end things for them? Mm. I don't know. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in their heads. But that would be the concern for me. Good stuff, Rob Doster. Appreciate it. Where are you going this weekend? Real quick. I am going to my couch, man. I'm nice. Weekend. <laughs> Good for you. Rob, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Always a pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you. Rob Doster uh, joins us at NBCSports.com. Murph and Andy, two fanatics at four. See you.